Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. Well, hello, good morning, afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day you happen to be watching this at. It's my honor and pleasure to, to be sharing with you this morning. And uh, if we've never met before, my name's James, and I'm the worship pastor here at LVV. Um, before I get into sharing with you what I've prepared this morning, there's something I would like to highlight, and Stu has already mentioned it, but I would also like to reiterate that, that next week, the carol service will be taking place, and it's a great family moment for us to celebrate the arrival of Jesus. And this year, we have come up with a creative way of doing that through song and spoken word and carols. And uh, as Stu's already said, if you've missed out on a ticket for the in-person gatherings, it will be live at 4 p.m. So you can make whatever family arrangements you need to to be able to watch that. I would also encourage you to share that with friends and family. It's a, a great opportunity for us to create a moment for people to experience the living presence of Jesus and to find hope this Christmas. Um, I'm excited about it. We've put a lot of work into it. I'm sure you can tell, and uh, I hope that you're excited about it too. Well, this morning, I wonder if I was to ask you what your relationship is like with waiting. Are you someone that welcomes waiting for things, or are you someone who wishes waiting wasn't a thing? For those of you who know me, you'll know that I really don't have a sweet tooth at all, and uh, I'm more of a savory kind of guy, and uh, I'll always pick a starter over a dessert in a restaurant, but that wasn't always the case. You see, when I was younger, I loved Cadbury's. There was no other chocolate ever made it into my mouth. Nestle, Galaxy, Kinder, just didn't come close in my eyes to Cadbury's. And uh, my most favorite type of Cadbury's was the Cadbury's cream egg. And this only came out once a year. Uh, they, They seemed to be available all year round, but back in my day, I can say that now that I'm 30. They unfortunately weren't. You had to wait to Easter every year. Anyway, my wee Granny Charlotte, she is the most generous, kind, loving wee lady that you'll ever meet. Well, my Granny Charlotte knew what my favorite chocolate was. She knew it was the Cadbury's cream egg. And on this particular day, she picked me up outside Ballycarrick Maddie Primary School. And on our way home, she always did a couple of messages. So we stopped at the first stop, which was always Kelly's Fruit and Veg store on the Longstone. And uh, as she was getting out, she turned to me, she handed me the six pack of cream eggs that she had got for me. And she turned and said, James, these are to do you the rest of the week. You can have one today, and you'll have to wait until tomorrow, until you get another one. So she got out, leaving me with the six pack of cream eggs. Now I said before, my granny, she is a lovely, kind, generous, loving wee lady. 
but she has a terrible judge of character. By the time she made it back, all six eggs were in my stomach. How was I supposed to wait until the next day for another one? Needless to say, my granny and my stomach weren't too impressed with me because I hadn't decided to wait. And today, I want to, for the next 20 minutes, talk to you about what it means for us to wait well. Does that sound good? You're powerful quiet this morning. I'll take that as a yes. (laughs) Well, waiting, waiting is inseparable to this idea of Advent that we've been looking at. And in this season, we remind ourselves, mic change, all right. TTT. TT, all right. Where was I? Yeah, so in this season of Advent, we are uh, reminded of this idea of waiting. And waiting is inseparable to the idea of Advent. In this season, we remind ourselves of those who were waiting for all the promises and promises and prophecies of Jesus' arrival. Um, But now we too live in a period of waiting where we are waiting and looking forward to the arrival of Jesus once again. Dietrich Bonhoeffer puts it like this, the Advent season is a season of waiting, but our whole life is an Advent season. That is a season of waiting for the last Advent for the time when there will be a new heaven and a new earth. So the concept and idea of waiting is woven the whole way through the story of God and through the narrative of Scripture. And today I want us to go back to the Old Testament to look at a story where there are two characters we can look at and learn from um, on how they acted and approached waiting. And hopefully will give us some guidelines for how we should approach waiting in our everyday, ordinary lives. So the first character I want us to look at is Saul. You may know King Saul. In the book of Samuel, we see Israel, who were the people of God. They had arrived at a time and a place where they had decided they wanted a king. And through the prophet Samuel, they appoint Saul to become their first king of Israel. Now, a little bit into the story, Saul finds himself in a tricky position. The enemies of Israel, who were the Philistines, had gathered in a large number and were about to launch this attack on Israel. And this would have been an extremely intimidating situation to be in because the the scriptures explain the Philistine army that they were as big and as large, they had as many people in as numerous as the sands on the seashore. And Saul, in comparison, only had 3,000 in his army. Anyway, God had instructed Saul through the prophet Samuel not to enter into battle until Samuel had come to offer up a sacrifice, which would be a week later. It would be seven days Saul had to wait in the midst of this scenario that we have just talked about. Saul would have known through hearing about stories of God through his ancestors and people that would have come before him, the importance it was to wait and to follow God's instruction in order to earn God's favor. And in doing so, 
Saul would have known that they would have went on to win even though the odds were stacked against them. However, Samuel got delayed and Saul decided to take matters into his own hands. He stepped out of the role of being king and took on Samuel's role as a priest to offer the sacrifice. And then the scriptures tell us that as soon as Saul um, became impatient and he stepped outside the rule of Cain and offered this sacrifice, as soon as he does that, as soon as he's just committed that and crossing the line that he shouldn't have, Samuel appears. I'm sure Saul was raging with himself. Things got worse though for Saul. Samuel didn't hold back as he tore into him about how foolish he was for not waiting. Unfortunately for Saul, but luckily for us, we can learn some principles on how to wait well in the light of Saul's mistakes. And the first thing we see Saul failed to do is develop a personal relationship with God. He failed to develop a personal relationship with God. If we jump back into the story in verse 11, we see Saul had believed his own excuse. He tried to justify what he had just done when he said this in verse 11. When I saw that the people were scattering from me and you did not come within the days appointed and the Philistines had mustered at Michmash, verse 12, I said, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I have not sought the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself and offered the burnt offering. This phrase and idea of Saul seeking the Lord's favor was nothing new to God's people in the Old Testament. But this phrase and concept had deeper reference um, for the life of Saul. You see, if you study the life of Saul in the, in the preceding chapters, you will, and if you, if you look closely, you'll see a, a pattern and a trend that develops. And that is that when it comes to Saul's relationship with the Lord, he never took the initiative. He always relied on the initiative of others. Most of the time, Samuel was the one consistently given Saul instruction on how to serve the Lord well. And with Samuel out of town at this moment in the story, it was obvious that Saul hadn't created a habit of seeking the Lord for himself. Because as his men um, started to scatter from him and his enemies began to close in more and more. He shows no confidence in waiting on the Lord coming through on what he had promised. You can just imagine him, can't you, in this scene of the story, walking up and down, pacing, oh no, like, Lord, where are you? I feel so lonely. I feel so isolated. And, and, and where the heck is Samuel? He's the one that keeps me right in these situations. He's the one that keeps me close to you, Lord. When I was writing this this week, I couldn't help but relate to Saul here. 2020 has been brutal. With not being able to gather to worship, listen and learn, it's been, it's been really, really hard. And for me personally, it has led me on a journey to realize that my relationship with Jesus was exposed for how dependent it was on exterior things and, and other people keeping me right in my relationship with God. Don't hear me wrong, community and gathering as the people of God is, is a good thing and it's, it's a biblical thing. But I know that in the midst of the waiting to be back in here 
with all of you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. I have had to face up to some ugly truths and do some hard work. And that is invest in my personal relationship with Jesus. Because the reality is that in the waiting, it will either make us or break us. And for me, it definitely broke me, but it woke me up to the fact that I needed to invest in my personal relationship with Jesus. I found myself wanting the waiting to stop and and wishing it away, but the more and more it went on, the more and more I realized that I needed to get back to being intimate with Jesus, one-to-one, just me and him, no one else involved. A couple of weeks ago, there was a, there was a corporate tongue given in here at one of our corporate prayer meetings, and my dad interpreted it, and I feel it's exactly what I'm trying to say and convey here, and I'll share it with you now. It says this, the Lord is calling each of us by name, calling us to come to him, to come into his presence that has been made available to each of us. He is inviting us to come and be with him, to be with him on our own, to shake off the dependence of songs and services and to learn to be with him. Because as we draw near to him, he draws near to us. You see, in the waiting, there is an invitation to intimacy. It wasn't easy for Saul back then as he found himself in the fight of his life. And for so many of us, that's what 2020 has been. The pause button has been hit on all the important things in our lives and we've had no other choice than to wait. But let's not be like Saul. Let's not wait until we're in the fight of our lives to draw near to God. And let's not become so dependent on exterior things or people like Saul was solely dependent on Samuel for the intimacy that he had with God. But let's invest as followers of Jesus and our relationship with him ourselves. It's not easy, guys, but it's so, so worth it as we find ourselves in moments and seasons of waiting. A really good tool for doing that is by following along with our 321. And this has been a really super helpful tool for me in facilitating moments and times as I want to invest in my relationship with the Lord. If you haven't signed up to those, please do sign up. We have a 321 that's taking place and course over our whole Advent series. And let, here's a little challenge for you. Um, I, don't know, I don't know whether you're like me, but Sometimes I can go from week to week and uh, listening talk after talk and I, I can re- remember that the talk last week was good. I can remember sometimes some of, some of the points that were made, but I maybe haven't let, made it uh, or lead me to make any different choices or it hasn't um, made me invest in my relationship with the Lord. Here's a challenge for you this morning, right at the start of this, Here's an application for you guys. Take three, two, one, and let it be a tool that you use to invest in your personal relationship with Jesus. If you're struggling getting those emails, contact me personally, james at laganvalleyvineyard.com, and I would love to help you get on and uh, be able to use the three, two, one to facilitate and create a moment for you as you invest in your relationship with Jesus. I know I've used it, and it's personally helped my relationship with the Lord. Another thing, let's move on. Another thing that Saul failed to do in the waiting was to learn and respond well to the invitation of learning to be patient in the waiting. 
Saul knew what God had said to him through Samuel, didn't he? Don't do anything, like absolutely nothing, nada, night, don't do a thing. All you need to do is wait, just wait, Saul. But if you put yourself in Saul's shoes, it wouldn't have been an easy task to be fair to him. The odds were stacked against him. The Philistines had many more uh, men than him. And to make things worse, his own people were beginning to lose heart and scatter. But what was Saul worried about? God had given him a simple instruction, hadn't he? He'd given him that simple instruction through Samuel. Wait. And he says this all the time, simple instruction requires simple obedience. But I would like to add to that today, that yes, simple instruction requires simple obedience, but it requires great courage. One of the things I'm most proud of being a member of this community is that we are actively trying to listen to the Lord and be obedient to his voice. The Lord asked us to wait as a community a little longer before getting back in here to worship together, and we did it. Simple instruction requires simple obedience. But Saul chooses to ignore the simple instruction, which was to wait Instead of that, he decided to take control for himself. Taking control, don't get me wrong, can be a good thing sometimes, but in this situation, it was going against, it was a violation, it was the complete antithesis of what the Lord had asked of him in this circumstance and in so many other circumstances in our lives that we find ourselves in. Rather than waiting, we take control because of fear. It's a display of a lack of trust, but also it's a missed opportunity here for Saul to learn patience. We all struggle with fear, right? I I threw a question up on Instagram this week and asked people what their biggest fear was. And uh, so I got a whole range of answers. The the first person that got back to me um, said that their biggest fear in life was Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer staying in charge of Man United. I can totally agree with that after this week's performances. Uh, Someone said chickens. I actually share that fear. Uh, They are the most intimidating animals on the planet. Not my words, Jamie Hawthorne's. Um, Others went on to say they had a fear of the dark, a fear of losing friendships, a fear of death, a fear of losing loved ones, a fear of never meeting a partner, a fear of loneliness, and a fear of failure. It's important that we're aware of our fears because you see fear Fear is at the root of our desire to take control, trying to control timing and trying to control outcomes. And John Tyson, who many of you will know, puts it like this. Our temptation to control often results in slavery to the unintended consequences of our fear-driven decisions. Let me say that again. Our temptation to control often results in slavery to the unintended consequences of our fear-driven decisions. So let's not become like Saul and miss out on the opportunity to learn patience and to practice trust by letting the voice of fear drown out the Lord's simple instruction for us 
in seasons of waiting and in this season of Advent to learn to wait. I have loads more observations on the life of Saul, but I'm going to move on to the second character that I want us to look at in this story, and that is David. David, who was Saul's son-in-law, the one who would become the second king of Israel, had been given a promise during the rule and reign of Saul. Samuel, the prophet and priest who we've just uh, been talking about, um, was led by God into a village um, called Bethlehem, and he sought out Jesse's youngest son, David. And to cut a long story short, Samuel eventually finds David, and he anoints him and to be the next king over Israel. First uh, Samuel sixteen thirteen says this. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And this young shepherd boy, David, was only 15 at the time, and, and little did he know that that promise that had been spoken over him um, by God through the prophet Samuel was going to require a lot more patience than seven days. It would be 15 years until David would become king. 15 years of carrying a promise. You see, between the promise and the fulfillment of a promise, there's a gap. And in that gap for David, but also for us today, there is a story being written. Eugene Peterson references story as the Holy Spirit's literary genre of choice. The Bible is full of stories, and, and David happens to be the single most extensively narrated story story is so important and, and, and should be a primary means for us to learn how to become human. Eugene Peterson goes on to unpack this idea through saying this. This is a long one, so strap in. Uh, the David story, like most other Bible stories, presents us not with a polished ideal to which we aspire, but a rough-edged actuality in which we see humanity being formed, the God presence in the earth human conditions. The David story immerses us in a reality that embraces the entire range of humans stretching from the deep interior of our souls to the farthest reach of our imaginations. No other biblical story has this range to it, showing the many dimensions of height, depth, breadth, and length of human experience as a person comes alive before God, aware of God, responsive to God. We're never more alive than when we're dealing with God, and there's a sense in which we aren't alive at all until we're dealing with God. David deals with God as an instance of humanity. In himself, he isn't much. He, was, uh, he has little wisdom to pass on to us to live successfully. He was an unfortunate parent, an unfaithful husband. From a purely historical point of view, he was a barbaric chieftain with a talent for poetry. But David's importance isn't in his morality or his military prowess, but in his experience of and witness to God. Every event in his life was a confrontation with God. Every event in his life was a confrontation with God. You see, in the waiting, in the waiting, you see, unlike Saul, David was able to confront and converse 
as he dug into deepening his personal relationship with the Lord. David understood that, that God wasn't intimidated by his emotions and, and, and he knew that withdrawing himself from God from certain emotions would have led to him having a, a shallow relationship with the Lord. Celebrating and giving thanks to God were, were common themes in the life of David, but we also see David weeping, lamenting, and confronting God with his raw and honest emotions. In the waiting, David was able to trust God because of this open and honest relationship he had with the Lord. In the life of David, we see trust as the key component and an essential ingredient to waiting well. As we invest into our personal relationship with the Lord, it brings a level of trust because we know him and believe that God is present in our waiting and will not let us down on his side of his promise. And one of the ways we can go about learning this in the life of David is through reading some of the songs and poems that he penned in the book of Psalms. Here's a, here's a couple taken from the Passion Translation. Psalm 27, four says this, here's the one thing I crave from God, the one thing I seek above all else, I want the privilege of living with him every moment in his house, finding the sweet loveliness of his face filled with awe, delighting in his glory and grace. I want to live my life so close to him that he takes pleasure in my every prayer. Here's another one, Psalm 56, three. But in the day that I'm afraid, I lay all my fears before you and trust in you with all my heart. And one final one, Psalm 9.10 says this, those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. And that word know in verse 10 there means to know by experience. David just didn't know God through some theory or head knowledge. It was, he knew him through investing in his relationship and experiencing the presence of God. David spent 15 years in waiting for God's promise that he would become king, but David didn't, we see that David didn't wish away or waste his time in the waiting. Instead, he saw it as a window of opportunity to invest in his personal relationship with God, to build trust, and to let God form and fashion the posture we see in him of patience. To finish, I want to show an example in, in David's life when, when he chose not to be driven by fear and to take control of God's timing in the waiting, but instead let the pressure of the waiting push him towards God. So David had been on the run uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 24, at this time in the story. He'd been on the run for about a decade um, from the impatient, fear-driven King Saul that we have been looking at. And uh, uh, in, in 1 Samuel 24, we see this interesting interaction that takes place between Saul and David. By this point in the story, David has 400 men following him. And uh, they, they happen to find themselves up in these caves in, in Gedi. And uh, Saul is on the hunt for David. And he has 3,000 men. 
And he, he just has, so happens to be in the same area as where David finds himself, in these caves in Engedi. And uh, I kind of paraphrase in the story here, but um, so Saul, uh, the scriptures tell us that he, he decides that he needs to go to the bathroom, right? And uh, Saul ends up in one of these caves, and it just so happens to be one of the caves that David and his men are in also. So I can just imagine this playing out. One of David's men spotting Saul at the end of the cave, running back to David and telling him, David, you'll never guess what, that, that crazy nut father-in-law of yours that's been chasing you down is finally in our hands. He's in, it, it, it's like God has appointed it. It's, it's been set up. Let's, let's take him out. Let's speed up this process. We've been wandering around and waiting in the wilderness far too much. Let, 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 this is a moment, David. Come on, let's off with your sword. Let's, let's go and kill Saul and speed up the process of you becoming king. And we see David responding with this. I will not touch the Lord's anointed. I will not touch the Lord's anointed. David not only shows his character in this moment, but also reveals how he was going to model a different way to living in the waiting. Don't get me wrong, there's a lot in David's life that he didn't get right as Eugene Peterson pointed out earlier on. But in this moment, I believe he shows and models for us how to wait well. You see, David, unlike Saul, didn't let fear creep in and push him towards taking control of the situation that he found himself in. David could have easily taken control and, and uh, took Saul out and, and as a result, sped up the process of him becoming king. And I'm sure in some well in some way or other, we, we, can, we can relate to this pressure of wanting to speed things up. Our culture places this pressure upon us all the time, doesn't it? Everything has pressure on it to speed up. The, from the technology that we use to the unanswered prayers that we are waiting on. Henry Nguyen describes this place that, that we often find ourselves in through these words. For many of us, waiting is the awful desert between where we are and where we want to be. For many of us, waiting is the awful desert between where we are and where we want to be. And David, David is literally in a desert, a wilderness, a, a waiting place for, for the promise of him becoming king to be fulfilled. And, and here he is presented with the opportunity to, to speed up the process and in the waiting and, and, and to make it happen for himself. And as we've just read, David was obedient to God and, and didn't speed up the process. But the, the thing that strikes me most about this story is that, that it isn't just a, an act or just a simple act of obedience, but it, it's the showing of a surrendered life. Here we find the key, final key to waiting well, and that is surrender. And I'll close with this. Guys, if you want to come on up. Um, in the waiting, there always comes a moment for us to surrender. Surrender our agenda, surrender our autonomy, and let, and let King Jesus take his rightful place as the boss of our lives. 
Obedience is just a, a momentary decision, but as John Wimber says, that surrender is the posture of the kingdom. So let's not just settle for low bar of obedience, just tick box exercise, uh, just to get us through the waiting, but let's let the waiting lead us to a place and a posture of surrender. The Apostle Paul puts it best in Romans 12:1 when he says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And that's what we're going to do now. We're, we're, we're going to move into a time of worship. And, and just before we do, I want to say this, that when reading and, and interpreting the scriptures, there's this thing called the law of first mention. And basically what it means is that the first time we see a word in the scriptures, that it holds higher value or importance to any other time that we see the word. And, and the first time we see the word worship in the scriptures, it's connected to the word surrender. And uh, David models that so beautifully to us, doesn't he? That, that in times and moments, and as we find ourselves in the context of worship in our waiting, we are led to a place of surrender. So we're going to do that. And um, I don't know where you are this morning and what you're waiting on. Um, but I want to encourage you this morning that... Uh, as we take a moment to worship, to, to lead yourself into a place of surrender, surrendering every area and every aspect of your life, to move from fear to trust and to move from control to surrender. And, and maybe this morning you feel like, you know what, I, James, I trust the Lord. I trust him and I, I, I'm okay with waiting. But sometimes what we do is we compartmentalize, don't we? we? We trust God with certain areas of our life and certain other areas of our life we take control based out of fear because we, we can't wait in those areas. We can't wait on our finances for the Lord to bless us there. We, we can't wait for whatever fill in the blank that area is for you. And, and I want to encourage you this morning to to move into a place of surrender with the Lord because the Lord isn't just asking for a part of our lives. He's asking for it all. So can I encourage you this morning to change your posture um, as you find yourself in your living room or kitchen or wherever you are this morning as, a, as an outward sign of an inward posture to, to surrender to the Lord. Maybe you want to kneel and maybe you want to bow or maybe you just want to place your hand on your heart as a sign of saying to Jesus this morning, here I am. I surrender my life once again to you. Let, let, me, let me pray as we move into a time of worship. Jesus, we love you. We, we, we love your presence. We love that you're close, that you're near and you're not far. And Lord, in this season of Advent, as we are reminded of what it is, and how to wait well. Lord, I pray that for those of us that find ourselves in a moment of waiting, in a season of waiting, Lord, where it feels like the promise that you have spoken over our life, Lord, it feels like you're just a little late, that you haven't shown up, that you haven't come through. Lord, I pray that we would withhold from taking control and that we would move to trust. 
and that we would surrender our lives to you, Lord. Because in the waiting, Lord, we know that you are leading us to a place of surrender and confessing you as Lord and Savior and King and boss of our lives. So Lord, as we create a moment for you to come and speak to us and remind us maybe of some of those areas that we need to surrender to you this morning, Lord. I pray that you would come softly and gently like you always do and lead us to a place of surrender. So let's worship God. Just as we were worshiping there, I, uh, I kind of felt prompted by the Lord to, to lead us in a moment of saying sorry, um, a moment of repentance for, for those of us. And I'm, <laughs> maybe this is just for me, I'm putting my hand up. I'm in this place <laughs> where I haven't maybe waited well. Um, I've, I haven't trusted the Lord that he's gonna come through on his side of the promise that, um, that based on fear, I've been pushed to take control of the situation and, and taken it out of his hands. And um, if you feel like me this morning <laughs> and, uh, and you wanna take a moment to say sorry to the Lord and repent for, for not trusting him, um, he's so kind, he's so gracious, he's full of mercy, and he, uh, he loves it when we say sorry for things, uh, but he's so gentle with us. He's not uh, like an angry headmaster up in the sky <laughs> waiting to tell us off. He, he, he loves it when his children say sorry and come back into his arms. And I'm going to lead us in a moment just to just uh, in a prayer of repentance and saying sorry for the times that we've got it wrong. Maybe we're in a time where we've got it wrong and, and we want to say sorry to the Lord. So I'm going to pray for us. Um, I'm going to do one more response after that. And then the guys are going to sing a carol to finish. So. Jesus, we thank you that, that in moments where or we get things wrong, um, or we fail to trust you. Um, in the waiting, we let the voice of fear drown out your voice, Lord. And we take things into our own hands. Jesus, this morning, we wanna say we are so sorry. Lord, we are so, so sorry. Lord, we thank you for your grace and for your mercy and for your kindness and your gentleness, Lord. And Lord, I just pray that in this moment right now, as we choose to say sorry, Lord, that it would lead us to surrender. Lord, that we would be like David and, and being able to surrender moments of, of, of taking control or or, or, or letting the pressure that our culture puts on us to speed things up. Lord, we, Lord, we, Lord, we say we are sorry. And, and Lord, would you take us by the hand so that we can walk in your timing, Lord, that we can walk step by step with you, right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot, Lord, in time with you, Lord. We, we, we don't want to miss out on what you're doing or where you're leading us or the the fullness of the promise that you've spoken over us, Lord. 
So Lord, today, this morning, in this moment, or wherever we find ourselves, we, we confess our trust in you once again. Would you come and be the boss of our lives? We love you, Lord Jesus, and we worship you. And uh, the other thing I was just kind of prompted by as we were worshiping was maybe for some of us, we genuinely don't feel like we're in a season of waiting. Or uh, maybe you are in a season of waiting, but it just kind of felt like there was an invitation from the Lord for us to step up and be the family of God, to, to be community, to stand alongside our brothers and sisters who are in waiting. And I feel like just in this moment that that the Lord is going to uh, draw a name or a person to you right now as you're watching this or listening to this. There's a name of a person that's just dropped in your heart right now and, and the Lord is inviting you to go and wait well alongside them. Maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a work colleague, maybe it's someone you haven't spoken to in a long time. The Lord's asking us to wait well alongside each other, shoulder to shoulder, weeping with our brothers and sisters and celebrating with our brothers and sisters. So can I invite you and encourage you to do that this week and um, for the rest of your life? <laughs> that as, as the Lord reminds you of people that are in seasons of waiting, get alongside them, encourage them. Why not text one of them right now and encourage them that, that, that you see where they are and, and that you're there for them and that you're praying for them and that you're available. Guys, that's us for this morning. We are out of time, but to finish, the, the guys are going to sing one more song.